0: The end of Daniel. Next uh, week is our last week in Daniel, and we've given uh, Jordan, the ministry apprentice, three very hard chapters to preach on. Uh, so before you come next week, give those um, chapters a read. I don't think we'll have time to read them all together. So if you want to prepare for next week, uh, give them a read. Uh, how great is Daniel's prayer that we just read, huh? Uh, it's such a good prayer, such a great model and example. Um, of confession and repentance so after I've, I've preached today um, we're going to have a time of confession I thought it might be appropriate seeing as we're looking at uh, such a great model to actually confess our sins so I'll give you a time just to, to sit personally and uh, confess to God yourself and then we'll uh, confess uh, together let's get into God's word uh, let's pray Heavenly Father, as we look to your word now, grow us in faithfulness, patience, and endurance as we run the race before us. Amen. Uh, Well, a year or two ago, uh, our car broke down in Burley Heads. Uh, It seemed like it was something to do with the battery, so I called the RACQ, and a guy came out and he looked at the car. He said, Bad news, it's not your battery, it's your alternator, it's dead. Um, and uh, it wasn't great news because it meant my car needed to be towed and and taken to a mechanic, and so it was taken to a mechanic in um, Miami. When I got to the mechanic, the guy said, "Uh, it's going to take me a couple of hours. I'm going to need to source an alternator. It was a Saturday, so it was a bit hard to get. Um, I'm going to have to source an alternator, and then it's going to take me a while to fix a couple of hours. So take your time, go do something else. I was by myself uh, and uh, come back in a couple of hours. And so that's what I did. It was almost lunchtime. I wandered from Miami uh, across to Burley Heads. Took me a while to get there. I had a nice, uh, leisurely solo lunch. Don't often eat by myself, but that's what I did. I ate by myself, took my time. I slowly wandered back. By the time I got to the mechanic, it had been a couple of hours. Um, I go in, and uh, the guy kind of laughs at me. He's like, Sorry, mate. Haven't even looked at your car yet. I've got the alternator, but I haven't even looked at it. And I went, Oh, okay. He said, hopefully I'll get it done by the end of today. And I went, oh, okay. So I walked back to Burley Heads and uh, I, you know, I was like, all right, so I've just got to kill time. So I sat on the beach for a little bit. I thought, oh, I'm starting to get sunburned. I better go sit in the shade. So I sat in the shade. I watched the surfers. That was for about an hour. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll go get a coffee. That'll take some time. Only 15 minutes of time. And I went by. So I waited around, I waited around, went back to the guy. He said, not yet. Take a bit more time. So i go back to Burley Heads and I'm just lying in the park, just waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, And time was just moving so slow. And it was the middle of summer too, so like I'm sweaty and it's gross and I'm just thinking of my family at home in the air conditioning, just dreaming of that. Stumped for ideas of what to do. My phone was dying too, so I couldn't waste time on that. Uh, It just felt like forever. Just waiting and waiting and Uh, Daniel, he knew what it was like to wait. And Daniel hadn't been waiting for an afternoon. He'd been waiting for almost a lifetime. He'd been waiting and hoping that God would intervene uh, and bring his people out of exile. Daniel was eagerly waiting to go back to Jerusalem uh, with the rest of uh, his fellow Israelites. Um, Living under the rule of foreign kings was getting old, to, to say the least. It was getting hard. And so as Daniel is living in Babylon still, he's reading the scriptures and he reads Jeremiah. Have a look in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So Daniel was reading the scriptures, and he was reading Jeremiah. And if we go to Jeremiah, we can actually see what Daniel was reading. It's in chapter 29 of Jeremiah, uh, verse 10 and 11. It says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So Daniel, his friends and the rest of the kingdom of Judah had been in exile for 66 years. So Daniel's reading, Jeremiah, he sees, we've been in here, we've been here for 66 years, 70 years is almost up. So Daniel's excited. Uh, perhaps in the next few years, God will bring us back to Jerusalem. Maybe the wait is over. Our circumstances are certainly different to Daniel's, uh, but there are big similarities. As we look around us, we too see this effect of sin uh, in our world. We see rulers and authorities that abuse their powers. We live in a culture and a society that opposes God quite often. And while we eagerly wait for God's intervention, while we eagerly wait for the return of Jesus, sometimes we can despair at what's going on around us. We can worry that God's people are going to be pushed to the side. Perhaps God's people will just become less and less and less. The church will no longer exist. Maybe we worry about that. Maybe we worry that God's good ways and his laws are going to be snubbed. And so in the midst of a chaotic world, in the midst of a world that for the most part opposes God, how are we to wait? How are we to live well while we wait for the Lord to come and renew all things? How are we to wait well? Well, Daniel gives us great insight into what waiting well looks like. And we first see this in Daniel's prayer. As Daniel seeks to be back in the land, um, as he seeks to be out of exile, to go back to the land for the temple to be restored, uh, Daniel prays to God. He prays a prayer of confession. And we see the prayer of repentance that Daniel prays. So let's have a look at the prayer of repentance. Knowing that it was sin that led God's people into exile, Daniel uh, eagerly desires to be back in the land, and so he confesses. He confesses his sin and the collective sin of uh, Judah in this marvellous prayer to God. First, in verse 4, he starts by acknowledging God, who is faithful to his followers, and then Daniel goes on to confess his sin and the sin of God's people. If you have a scan over... Verse 5 says we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have been wicked, we have rebelled, we have turned away. Verse 6, we have not listened to your messengers. Verse 7 and 8, we're covered with shame, we've been unfaithful, we've sinned against you. Verse 9 to 11, we've not obeyed, we've transgressed. Verse 13, even in the midst of their punishment in exile, we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. As Daniel confesses, we get this really great description of sin, don't we? Uh, We see transgression, the, the crossing over of a boundary line. We see wrong, wickedness, rebellion, turning away, unfaithfulness, not obeying. But scattered throughout Daniel's confession is more than just a great understanding of sin. In comparison to God's sin, Daniel also highlights God's goodness, his faithfulness and his righteousness. In verse 6, God was faithful by sending messages to warn and correct the people of God. Verse 7, God is righteous. Verse 9, the Lord is merciful and forgiving. And verse 14, the Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. So as Daniel confesses, he praises God and acknowledges him for his righteousness. His ways are good and right, and even his judgments are good and right. But Daniel knows and acknowledges that God also grants the opportunity to make things right through his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. As Daniel desires salvation from the judgment he and the people of God are facing, Daniel prays and confesses because he knows that the path to reconciliation and restoration is repentance. It's repentance and trusting in God's faithfulness and mercy. Sin led God's people into being in exile, being disconnected and dislocated from God. And if things were to be made right with God, God's people needed to acknowledge and repent of their sin. Daniel's prayer then moves on from confession to a plea for help. Firstly, Daniel pleads for the wrath of God to cease against Jerusalem. Have a look from verse Fifteen. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made a name for yourself that endures to this day. We have sinned. We have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people uh, an object of scorn to those around us. Daniel realises that the sin and state of Judah and Jerusalem have become a laughing stock for the nations. Daniel expresses the shame and embarrassment of the situation for him and the rest of Israel. But notice, just as God was in the right to judge, Daniel also sees that it's equally in God's character to turn from his uh, anger and wrath. In fact, in verse 15, Daniel notes that it's God's saving power and uh, righteous act in saving the Israelites out of Egypt, uh, it was an amazing act that gave God a great name among the nations. Uh, did you notice how just concerned God uh, Daniel is with God's name as well? It's God's people, God's city, God's holy hill that has been defamed by the sin of people. And Daniel continues along these lines in verse 17. Have a look. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look on favour, uh, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests because uh, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Just as God's righteousness and justice uh, were shown when he uh, sent Israel and Judah into exile, God Daniel knows that God's restoration, God's bringing back together of Israel and Judah and the recoming together of God's people will also bring God glory and honor. as Daniel waits for restoration, reconnection with God and a new renewed relationship with God he confesses, he repents and he pleads knowing the mercy of God I don't know how you go with confession and repentance but it's a part of my prayer life that's often lacking I'm quick to ask God for things I'm quick to go to God when I'm in need of something But confession, it's not always there. I've been really challenged by Daniel's prayer here to do that more often and to do it better. As we desire to know God better, as we desire to be with God, as we desire to be with God for eternity in a completely renewed and restored relationship, we should commit ourselves like Daniel did to confession and obedience to him. Difference being for us, We know that there is certainly no condemnation in Christ. When we confess and repent, we know that we are forgiven in Jesus. But we do want to be people who are humbling ourselves all the time before God, saying, not my righteousness, Lord, but your mercy. Seeking his forgiveness and salvation will draw us near to him and lead us toward life forever with him. Another challenging aspect of Daniel's prayer is his concern not just for himself and his standing with God, but also his concern for his people. He confesses on behalf of Israel and Judah because he's concerned with their standing before God as well. Along with our confession, we should be people who pray for the spiritual health of our church family. Do you pray that others in our church would grow in their love for God and his ways? I don't always do it. That's something we should do. Do you pray alongside people uh, for their faith and their holiness? Let me encourage you to do that in your relationships with with one another. Pray with each other. Pray for each other. Join Friday morning prayer, a time where uh, our church comes together to pray for our church. Be open with each other in growth groups. Share about your faith. Share about your struggles, how you are going with holiness. And pray for each other in these ways. Have genuine concern for one another. Daniel knew God. He knew God's character. And so as Daniel desired uh, for him and the rest of Israel and Judah to be with the Lord God, he prayed with confidence. He confessed and he pleaded. And that's when we read of God's response. God responds to Daniel by outlining the work of the Anointed One. Let's have a look at the work of the Anointed One. So, as Daniel has been praying, confessing his sin and the the sins of his people, making his plea to God, uh, Gabriel turns up and gives Daniel insight and understanding in light of his prayer, and in particular, his understanding of Jeremiah's word from the Lord. Daniel had hoped that the time of exile was nearly up and that God's people would be restored to Jerusalem, but Gabriel shares something a little bit different. Have a look in verse 24. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Daniel was hoping that it was finally time for God's people to go back to the land. And they would, but it wouldn't be completely what Daniel had expected. For full restoration and renewal, God says 77s are decreed for God's people, implying that a much longer period of time, 70 times 7, is ahead to make things right. Uh, Last Saturday, uh, Callan, who's uh, a member of our church, he goes to night shift, he's learning how to fly planes. And uh, me and a few guys went for a fly with him. It was pretty fun. We, We... uh, had planned it for a while. The hope was that we'd get in his little plane. It was squishy. I, sh- I was in the back, shoulders were like this. Um, but the hope was that we'd go up to the top of North Australia, just have a fly around, see what he see what he's doing, you know, in, in his life and sh- show us the tricks of the trade. But also, you know, just have a look outside. It was pretty fun. But our hopes uh, for the trip were blown out of the water, almost literally, uh, as... The day was perfect, like just a perfect day. No wind, um, barely a cloud in the sky. But also, when we got up to the top of North Stratty, we came across a pod of humpback whales. And they put on an absolute show for us. It was amazing. Um, They were jumping out of the water, like full-on jumping out of the water. They were um, flapping their fins, giving us a wave. And, I mean, we had our own private pilot. So... Callum's just like flying in circles above this pot of whales, and we're just watching in like awe and amazement of God's marvelous creation. And we were just like we just were so shocked; it was just like amazing, more than we had ever hoped for out of uh, this little expedition. Similarly, as God uh, speaks to Daniel, God goes beyond Daniel's hopes and dreams for the future. God. Uh, promises something amazing. Daniel's hope for the future was in the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple. But what God promises through Gabriel is astonishing. At the end of this God-determined time, transgression will finish, sin will come to an end, wickedness atoned for, everlasting righteousness will be provided. Vision and prophecy will reach a state of completion and the most holy place will be anointed, implying that good and proper worship of God will be achieved and reinstated. Transgression and sin, the very things that led Israel and Judah into exile are to be done away with and replaced with everlasting righteousness. Even if Daniel couldn't quite understand this at the time, God had planned to restore his people in a way way beyond Daniel's wildest dreams. God had planned something amazing. And Gabriel continues in verse 25. Have a look. No one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty two sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, in the middle of the seven he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and at the temple he will set up an abomination. That causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him perhaps for daniel this might have sounded like good news at first the temple would soon be rebuilt and jerusalem would be restored in seven sevens time so kind of soon and in 62 sevens time a bit later a bit further down the track an anointed one a david like king would come and rule But this seemingly good news turns to haunting and distressing news. Verse 26 the anointed one would be put to death and have nothing. On top of this, we hear at the end half of verse 26 that the people of another ruler, I think that's a different ruler to the anointed one, because we read about this uh, ruler in chapter 11, which we'll see next week. It's a contemptible ruler, an evil ruler. But the people of this other ruler would destroy the city and the temple. War and desolation would come. And this evil ruler would confirm some sort of covenant with the people, alluding to his power and influence. But finally, this ruler would abolish sacrifice and offering to the Lord God and set up an abomination in the temple. The temple would become defiled because of this ruler. Daniel's hoping and praying for the restoration of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple. But God says, it's going to happen, but even after it's restored, Jerusalem and the temple are going to fall to the ground yet again. Daniel is going to have to be patient and wait. He's going to have to remain faithful to God in what is going to be a longer than expected wait for restoration. But scattered amongst this prayer and Daniel's, uh, and God's word to Daniel. Two and a half thousand years later, we see that God's plans for his people and his kingdom are right here in amongst what seems to be a scary vision for Daniel. The appointment of a new anointed king, which Israel had not had for a long time, they really wanted a new king. Dying? It would have seemed like a great loss what they hoped for this is what they dreamed for and certainly when a man came from nazareth he claimed to be the messiah when he hung dead on a cross his followers looked to him and were crushed this is what we'd hoped for the messiah but when jesus the messiah rose from the dead it became clear The death of the anointed one was not a hopeless death. It didn't need to be a crushing death. But a death that finished transgression, put an end to sin, atoned for wickedness. The guilt and sin and therefore the rightful judgment that should be ours was taken away, atoned for by Jesus. And his everlasting righteousness was given to us. And connection And relationship with God was restored and granted. Not through a temple, not through the city, but through Jesus himself. And when Daniel cried out in verse 19, Lord, listen, Lord, forgive, Lord, hear and act, God answered that cry through Jesus. And in him, God's people are forgiven. God's people are forgiven and they're given direct relationship with God. So when Roman rulers came through Jerusalem, tore through Jerusalem, destroying it, desecrating the temple after Jesus came in 70 AD, Jesus had achieved more than Daniel could have ever imagined. The temple and the city were no longer needed for God's people to connect with God. Through the Holy Spirit of Christ now, Jesus allows God's people to worship, pray and connect with him even in the most far corner of the earth. Destroying the temple and the city just didn't matter anymore. We don't need Jerusalem or the temple anymore. Jesus has fulfilled the purpose of the city and the temple. And now God's kingdom flourishes across the world as we, all, we can have connection with him wherever we are. Though Daniel had to wait for God's intervention for longer than expected, He was to wait, trusting that God would be faithful to his promises and that he would save and redeem his people. He was to wait patiently. He was to continue living in a foreign land and even when he went back to Israel, living under foreign rule. But he was to be obedient as he was doing. But this much clearer picture of Christ that we have uh, shows that Jesus has achieved all of what was promised to Daniel. And therefore, we should continue to have perseverance and patience as we are Christians scattered amongst the nations. God has restored the relationship between himself and his people. But we still eagerly await our Saviour Jesus who will ultimately redeem and save us and restore all things. We are still aliens and strangers in the world. Though we are not from Israel, We are still aliens and strangers in the world. We live in a society where it's not always easy to be a Christian. It's not as bad as Daniel had it, certainly. Certainly not as bad as others have it in Asia, uh, parts of the Middle East, Northern Africa. But we are always being pushed and prodded to drop our faith. We are told our faith is a problem by some. Schools universities try and persuade young people to run away from god there's corporate pressures there's the media's influence the weight from society to turn away from god is there and it can be a heavy one life in a world against god isn't easy it's going to wear us down but we're to know this jesus is coming and he's coming to bring ultimate salvation and restoration having a better vision of what God had promised in Daniel chapter 9, we can look back at history and see Jesus. Through his death and resurrection, he has achieved everything needed to be in the presence of God forever. He has made us clean. He has taken away our shame and our guilt and our sin, and he has given us a great hope for the future. As you feel pressured by our society and our culture, Wait patiently for Jesus. Wait in obedience. Don't bow to the false gods of our time, but watch out for him with eager expectation. Knowing what he has already done has secured what he will do uh, when he returns. So how are we to wait for the Lord? In the midst of a chaotic world, a world that often opposes God, we're to wait for Jesus in prayer. We're to recognise God's goodness and mercy shown in Jesus and we're to live in repentance, humbly confessing our sin and confessing that we've been a part of the world's opposition to God. But we're now to turn to him in faithfulness and obedience, knowing that he is faithful and righteous in showing mercy and grace to us as he frees us from sin. But we're also to wait by looking to the one who's coming. The Anointed One, Jesus, who died for our sake, that we'd no longer be distant from God, but close to Him. As the world challenges us and opposes God and His ways, we're to wait with eager expectation for the return of Jesus when He restores and renews all things. Jesus, the Anointed One, has gone beyond Daniel's expectations. He's put an end to sin and wickedness and given everlasting righteousness for God's people. He's given us connection with God, and while we still live in the world, we must be prepared to wait for Him patiently, in repentance and obedience, knowing that Jesus, uh, knowing that Jesus has already achieved everything we need—forgiveness, peace, and restoration for His people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be humble. As we wait for you, Lord, help us to know and realise that it's not our work, it's not what we do, but it's your mercy that brings us near to you. Lord, help us to look to Jesus as we wait. Help us to see what he has already done, has achieved what is ahead of us. And help us to uh, wait patiently for him. In Jesus' name.